When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast. We like to go live every Monday and Wednesday morning. If you happen to be listening after the fact, uh, come and find us at Scout Kennedy on Twitter slash the X. Nick, how are you doing, man? I'm going to take a big slug of coffee. I am doing okay. I'm hoping that my computer is holding up because it's uh, freezing a bit on my end. Uh, but uh, overall, I'm doing well. And you guys will have to let me know if it's Scott or it's me uh, with things going on. But I'm doing okay. How are you, Scott? Are you there? Uh, yeah, I think it's the 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 VSync on your um when you go to multiple tabs and stuff. I'll show you how to fix that after the show. Uh, how to how to disable that. So let's say hello to some folks that are coming in. Michael Ronquillo was here nice and early. Good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Roderick Cook coming in from across the pond. Afternoon, everyone. Lovely day here in Somerset. And uh, John Harrell says good morning, y'all. Good morning to you as well. Uh, Greg Elrod says, good morning, guys. Between this show and Smitty and Berto's show, I'm covered with dirty birds. That's right. Thanks for all the great uh, analysis. I'm, uh, I'm I'm going to be guesting next Tuesday on Smitty's show as well. So we all get along. It's all, all in the family. It wasn't like the beginning of the internet where everybody was at each other's throats. It was, uh, there's still some of that in the old rival scout 24-7 on three world. But it's gotten better. Now it's like, hey, listen, if we work together, we can all do better wow what a concept uh bobby carter says good morning scott and nick uh and atlanta fans that's all y'all so good morning bobby appreciate you being here uh cheryl cheryl feels like a, a new news or sherelle sherelle says hello guys feels like a new name uh he says what are the highlights on mac hollins um yeah the highlights on 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 mac hollins and the thing is he seems to be improving uh seems to be getting better as he's going which is a a good thing uh kind of hitting his prime but he's come in solid hands and he's a big dude he he's another one of those guys they say you can't have a long run without blocks downfield from the wide receivers between drake london and mac hollins and kyle pitts getting downfield and locking guys up he's going to be an asset in the running game as well um strong so decent run after the catch guy uh and seems to really have locked down that wide receiver two position um had a decent year last year so i think he's going to um he, he's this this wide receiver room is a lot deeper, we think, it's preseason, but it looks like, but I'm looking at this as we go through the depth chart and the possible cuts, you're going to have to cut some guys that that I think can play in this league that that are pretty good players. And we haven't been able to say that the last couple of years. Uh, Big Ant says, good morning, Scott and Nick and everyone in the chat. That's that's all y'all. So good morning, Big Ant. Appreciate you being here. Red Swarm says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Thank you guys, along with uh, my devoted Keurig for helping me get my day off to a wonderful start. Um, we've got a couple of coffee um, givers, I guess, is the, the, since I'm short on, on, on my words here this morning, um, that take care of us. Uh, LionCoffee.com is one of them. Check them out out of Hawaii. That would be a nice place to try and, and send some business right now, too. LionCoffee.com. And then uh, our friend Michael Lewitsky, who might show up in the show, he's uh, he sent me a care package for Puerto Rico. So yeah, we we like to hit the coffee as well. Um, 
Mr. Swanker says, uh, my Swanker, either way, uh, says the depth chart is going to be good this year for Atlanta. It, it is. Um, there's been some injuries that have knocked into that depth just a little bit in the preseason, but that's where it's been so far. Other than maybe Jeffrey Akuda, the injuries have come to the depth, whether it's Matt Hennessy, you talk Frank Darby, who is a bubble guy to make the roster anyway. Um, it seems like the guys that have gotten hurt have all been reserves, which, you know, isn't ideal, but there is more depth. You can afford to lose more guys. And that, that happens when you've stacked up three draft classes and finally was able to dump a bunch of money into your team in free agency. A lot of the guys that were ones are now battling for ones and twos, uh, maybe in threes. Uh, Ade Ogundeji was another one of those. He was lost for the season also. Um, but he was a guy I, I thought was kind of on the bubble for making the 53. Um, and now he's he's on injured. He's been he's been lost for the season uh, as well. But uh, started 27 games the last two years and might not have made the 53 man roster. Kevin Fitzpatrick says, good morning, y'all. Good morning to you as well. I'm catching Nick while he's, you know, reading his phone, probably sending me a text to say, hey, I'm, I'm back. We'll see if he's back. We'll see if he's back. Yeah. He was struggling a little bit last night and uh you know when it hits 110 in seattle i think you have some trouble with the internet up there <laughs> yeah i don't know what's going on you think uh, seattle with all the tech heads would be a little bit better there but hopefully it's good you started it um scott and i will you know look at it after the show but it's a pretty new computer so hopefully can figure out whatever's going on yeah good morning kevin coming on facebook appreciate y'all we've got several folks who've hit that thumbs up button on facebook chris walker zach cerezo <clears throat> michael corietti keith robbins kevin fitzpatrick Appreciate y'all doing that for sure. Um, including Keith Robbins says, good morning, fellas. And Michael, we said hey to him. Uh, and out of your Falcon Mind podcast is joining us this morning. Good to have you. Good to have you, gentlemen. Um, he says, morning, Scott, <clears throat> with the coffee. Uh, appreciate you being here as well. Chris says, good morning, everyone. Um, the cutdown should be tougher this year. It will be tougher. I don't know if it'll be tougher, honestly, but it'll be, if it is, it's tougher for the right reason. In the past, it was tougher to find 53 guys you wanted to keep. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it was tough before because it was hard to find 53 guys. Um, in this one, you know, you could probably go, okay, these guys signed guaranteed contracts. They're gonna make the they're gonna make the team. This year, though, there's there's guys that are going to be you're hoping you can wave and get to the practice squad. And for the most part, you can. Nick, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. There's not a lot of change amongst teams for the practice squad when they make their, when they make their cuts. Yeah. A lot of times fans like look at an undrafted player that, you know, had a few good plays and uh, you're worried about them. Oh, if we wave them, there's no way in heck they're going to make it the practice squad. But then every year it's, you know, just five, 10 guys really exchanging right. teams. Uh, so if you, I wouldn't be too worried if you're talking about somebody on the 53 yeah, it'll sting if you let somebody go and they end up being picked up and whatever. But you hope that the people making decisions uh, can separate the good talent from the not and uh, keep those guys anyway. So uh, it's always kind of fun this time of year. And uh, we'll see who it gets exchanged. And I'm kind of looking at some of these Falcons defensive tackles uh, myself if I'm a uh, Bronco to see who's uh, available just to get some bodies in there. And again, you you actually will be watching the Falcons waiver wire for a change instead of the Falcons just gleaning the Chicago Bears and Tennessee Titans waiver wires like they have the last two years to find out who they can plug in to their starting lineups. Um, and uh, 
My swank, I still want to call you Mr. My swanker says any word on Clark Phillips on his injury and will he make the roster? He will 100% make the roster. In fact, I think he plays a lot of snaps this year. And, and with Clark Phillips, I, I don't get the feeling that it's anything that's been serious with him because I've dismissed it already. Like, you know, it might be a, a day or two and I'm like, okay, and I've already dismissed it. I don't even remember what it was. Um, it's a little over two, a little over two weeks before the next game. Anybody who's got a little niggle that's counted in the in the top uh, first and second teams will not play this weekend, and I don't expect to see many of the ones at all. Uh, I think this is this weekend against um, the final game against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. It's not even this weekend. It's actually tomorrow night. I guess I should get a yeah, get a good Thursday. look on that. They play tomorrow night, so we got Falcons football t- uh, Thursday night. Um, I do one day at a time, y'all. Um, uh, that I wouldn't expect if Clark Phillips is, is nursing an injury, he won't play. Any of the guys that are nursing little injuries will not play. Most of the veterans will not play. This will be a game that will be used to try and decide those final spots on the roster. Yeah, this is, if you guys recall the absolute pain and drudgery uh, that had been the preseason game four. Well, we changed the name. It's not preseason game three. Uh, so a lot of the, and we'll watch it. You know, we're, we're sickos. If you guys are joining us here, we're all big sickos for uh, watching football. But third and fourth stringers, maybe how many guys do you think that are playing will end up making the roster? Like what percentage? Maybe 15 to 25%? No, I think it'll be higher than that just because, um, especially if we start counting practice squads. I just, yeah, I don't expect yeah, I wasn't counting practice squads. Anybody, yeah. It's, um, you know, and Ryan asks, you know, we'll, we'll lead into this with Ryan's question too. He says, do you want to see the this, this starters play tomorrow night? I still think the first team needs some reps for week one. So do I. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see them get more reps, especially with, you know, kind of, he's still basically a rookie quarterback for me, Nick. Um, he's yeah. had all off season. That's one of the benefits. It's almost like having a red shirt freshman. He's still basically a first year starter. I know he got four, but, you know, that's, that's not the same as going a guy who's playing week 17 who's been a starter all year has a lot more experience you know with not just the numbers obviously you know he played four games scott we can do the math i know but i would like to see him get more live reps desmond ritter especially but he's really the only one i'm that i care about getting those live reps and if something were to happen to him well you'd be you would be in decent shape with taylor heineke as a backup but it's a long long season I'm not worried about them getting too many reps going in though. You know, if you, if you happen to drop week one, you'll, you can still be just fine. Um, But I, I would, I would like to see Desmond out there for, especially since he didn't play in the first preseason game um, out there for a little longer than a series. At the same time, he had a heck of a, I know it's a different game, but he had a heck of a lot of experience at Cincinnati. It's not like this quarterback who, needs to work on these throwing concepts or anything like that. It's more integrating the offense uh, with his ability. So I'm not too worried about him getting those reps overall, especially because I don't think they're going to put too much on his plate um, from what we saw, you know, from a tough throwing concepts to uh, even the mental part of the game early on, because they don't have to, like, as you mentioned, he's a first year quarterback and you have a lot of easy weaponry. I mean, half the defenses in the league are going to get sucked down just by Bijan being on or Bijan, uh, just being on the field, uh, almost like a magnetic effect. So uh, I think you can make it easy for him early on, and I'm not too worried about him only getting one series. I think the offense is going to run pretty darn efficiently still. Yeah. Would I like to see it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Am I overly concerned about it? No. 
I'm I'm not. Uh, Greg asks, who's in danger of being cut and not clearing waivers? We'll we'll get into that here in a little bit as soon as we kind of get through the the morning business of saying hello to everybody and hitting some of these these uh, questions. Um, and and Ryan Adonis, he follows up. As much as I liked how the Falcons drove down the field last week, I was not happy with the Scotty Miller play call for an INT. Um, yeah, you know, go to where's Scotty Miller on the on the priorities list. You know, hey, maybe that's how he can he can get free, but you know, he's probably sixth um, down the list when I start looking at Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Mac Hollins, Bajan Robinson, uh, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson. CP wasn't playing, but you know what I mean. He's he's going to be fairly low on the list of priorities and maybe you can sneak something in every now and then on the other hand maybe i want to show how i'm trying to get kyle pitts open and scheme him open i I don't know you know throw a fade or something you know drake london's out there just throw it up and let one of those guys catch a ball if you get single coverage somewhere yeah or dump it to bijan in the backfield that works too that works that's that's not overly uh schematically crazy no um and kevin says i expect bergeron to play uh, what's interesting is he didn't play in the first week, though. You know, when yeah. they didn't run the ones out there after the the time against the uh, the Dolphins after the joint practices, he didn't play with the ones that week. So, I, I think he, I think Bergeron gets about as much time as Lindstrom, which could mm. be zero, could be yeah. a series. Um, what did I read that Lindstrom's had like one holding penalty called on him in his career? Is that that sounded impossible. Yeah. And he had two called on him in those first series, and both of them were pretty damn questionable. <laughs> so I'm not worried about if if our biggest concern is penalties on Chris Lindstrom, mm-hmm. we're gonna be all right in Atlanta. We're gonna be okay. Yeah. Um, Michael, I was just saying hello to you, saying benefactors. That's the word I was looking for. Now, now that the the Puerto Rican coffee is kicking in, uh, we've got some coffee benefactors, and Michael is one of those guys oh, wow. who sent me a care package from uh, from Puerto Rico. So thank you wow. very much, Michael. Glad you could make it live this morning. Competing coffees—that's amazing. God, that's so it's cool. Not, it's not, <laughs> as I said, I always shout out uh, Patrick and Lion Coffee from Hawaii as well. Our, our our listeners keep us well caffeinated. Yeah, and it's the, needed uh, on Sundays on the morning shows on Broncos for breakfast. I yeah. uh, I had a five a.m. wake up call. Had to get. Uh, the boy to uh, an early football practice since it's about 98 in the afternoon. They practice, practice at six in the morning. And yeah, I climbed back into bed. I felt a little guilty, but not too guilty as I snuggled back in thinking of my 14 year old out there at football practice. I'm like, I've been there and done that. Go to work, yep. kid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so talking about the uh, coming roster battles and key cuts here again, I just, Scott, who do you think, what is your final six? on this defensive uh, defensive tackle room or final five, whatever the number is for you, because I'm looking at the name here. And I'm like, Oh, that guy stood out for me. That guy stood out for me. I mean, t- uh, Timmy Horn has been good. I've seen some good things from Justin Ellis out Huggins, even uh, who's yeah, your guy. Huggins has looked good too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously you're not getting rid of Graham. Uh, obviously you're not going to get rid of your, your top guys or Clayus Campbell or anything, but who's, who's out. You know, what's interesting on their depth chart. What did we just say on Monday about Zach Harrison? Uh, that we think he's more of a defensive end, power end, maybe can c- cut down to four I. He's listed as DL now. Mm. So uh, I didn't see that on Monday, but I just said watching him play, he strikes me better as a three four end than as a three four edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and here he is. Oh man, if I can only keep six out of this bunch, um, you know, I, I'm looking. I'm I'm using. Um, 
I'm keeping an eye on. I've got a link to the Falcoholic and Kevin Knight because just 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 see, I was interesting to cross reference, and he's got them only keeping five, which is Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, Taquan Graham, Timmy Horn, and Joe Joe Gaziano. I look at this, and I feel like those four are the right four. I feel like Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, Calais Campbell. Taquan Graham, Timmy Horn. So I'm going five. Those five are safe. But now, if are, are you really only going to keep one per position? You keep six. That leaves Gaziano, Zach Harrison. Zach Harrison's going to make this team, y'all. I mean, come on. Yeah. So you give him, maybe move him to uh, OLB. That's probably where where Kevin has him. Actually, man, I would. Albert Huggins has been really good. Lakeel London has been really good. If you cut those two and this gets back to a question we had earlier who are you afraid of that could get uh get waived and not clear waivers those are to be two i'd be a little nervous about if they play at all like they've played the rest of this preseason so if i'm going you know the the, the ones i mentioned if you're counting zach harrison in there that maybe cuts down on your edge room a little bit so you can steal one from there but, you know, the first three, Grady, David Onyemata, Calais Campbell, Timmy Horn, Taquan Graham, those five for me are in. You know, no no more questions asked. Zach Harrison's not going to get cut. So now yeah. do you bounce in between OLB, you know, edge or end? It doesn't really matter. I think that's it, man. And I think LaCale London, Albert Huggins, as good as they've been, I think they are practice squad candidates. And from what I heard from you, the reference that you used had a guy that we didn't even mention there and Joe Gaziano uh, making the roster. So that's, I mean, just uh, to think about where the Falcons have been in the trenches. And then now you're at this point, uh, shout out to the uh, college scouts too. I mean, that's a lot of college free agents that have come in and have been developed and look pretty good. So that's, uh, I'm keeping an eye on those guys because I'm a little bit defensive line starved out here in Denver. Uh, but uh, and, and we're just we're trenches anyway. So, you know, mm -hmm. for, we, we, we like those for sure. So that's where I would go on those. And it, man, I would be real interested in LaCale London. If I'm a, a, a 30, one of the other 31 guys that are out there um, that, and I need, I need some size and, and, and Huggins has played really well too. So that's a battle to keep an eye on. Can they force their way onto this roster? This, this, I keep saying this weekend, tomorrow night against the Steelers. Uh, D'Angelo Jones is in the house. Says, good morning, fellas. Good morning to you as well. And Joe Cannon, great morning, Scott. Nick. Game day is tomorrow. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to it. And I think I think a lot of the decisions are already made. Um, most, 99% of the decisions are already made. But I still think it's a little bit of a an advantage to play. And I know you have until Tuesday, but to play your final preseason game on Thursday night and have that and then have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday in order to get down to your 53-slash-69-man roster. Yeah. I, sorry, computer cut in cut in again. But, uh, yeah, we have the game Thursday, and uh, cut down is a week. We'll know about the roster a week from today. I believe it's Tuesday uh, next week. So get some time to get the roster together and uh, about a week and a half before your first game to really you know game plan and know who your guys are. Ryan Adonis says, my biggest concern is that we see highlights of Hollins and Fitzpatrick getting TDs in the red zone, and yet we don't see them in real-life action. Yeah, you'll, you'll see some of that uh, in the preseason. There's preseason superstars. You know, Dorian Etheridge may have been the best preseason player for the Falcons two years running, and I don't think he's appeared in a game at, at linebacker. So, so we'll see that. We'll see. Um, Giangelo says, I hope they don't limit Ritter because he's very capable of making the passes. Yeah, they'll, it will open up for him. You know, keep the keep the leash fairly tight. 
some waggles, some bootlegs, some RPOs, some easy throws, and then add on, add on, add on, go a little bit far. Let them take a deep shot every now and then, but I don't think it's going to be too complex early on. And the thing is, is you don't have to. You've built this team to be a bludgeon uh, mm. with, you know, one of the things I loved, he had seven completions on his first drive. There were five different receivers. We've talked about, Nick, that there's a lot more weapons on this team and a lot more that people are than they're giving credit for just because they look and say, oh, Mac Hollins is your second wide receiver. Ooh, that's that's not great. Well, one, he's not bad. He's better than, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus. I'd rather have Mac than Alameda Zacchaeus for this offense. Yeah. And two, it's not necessarily wide receiver two. It's option. What does he come down to in the passing game? If I had in John o. Smith in there, he could be option six. Mac Hollins, you know, coming into the game like this, Nick. Yeah, he's what is he option four, option five in the offense? Uh, as far as I mean, yeah, you're he's down the list as far as limiting Ritter. Uh, like you mentioned, they built this team to be almost not quarterback independent, but not quarterback dependent. So, just like any young quarterback, coaches a lot of times, if you can be risk adverse and go for the higher percentage play and you're still successful there, they'll do that. I mean, we saw that a lot with the Falcons last year, right? It's like, okay, we're just going to kind of run the ball and it worked. Uh, so that's a, uh, I think they'll make it easier for him early on because there's no reason not to, you don't have to depend on him. Uh, why put him into situations where he can't win uh, early on? You'll he'll earn those as he puts more together, uh, puts more positive tape together. Now the uh, a good comment here from, from Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah Kinlaw. Good to see you. He says, good morning guys. I really wouldn't mind seeing DeMarco Helms at the safety spot over Richie Grant. Well, I'll tell you the good thing, Jeremiah, of DeMarco Hellams playing so well in the preseason is if he's not the safety, one, you've got good depth. Two, that means Richie Grant has taken another step forward. Mm -hmm. So what we've seen from DeMarco Hellams is can only be good things for the Atlanta Falcons because now you are better, you are deeper. If he wins out the spot, which we talked about on Monday, that those spots on defense, I got a couple of them are written in pencil. Richie Grant's spot is one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Bates is in Sharpie. You know, his, his yeah. impermanent marker. He's, he's starting safety. But Richie Grant hasn't done enough in his first two years of his career where he gets an automatic entry into the starting 11 on defense. And DeMarco Helms is coming for him. That competition, Nick, and that depth is a very, very good thing for this team. And it hasn't been there the last two years. Yeah, and as a injury-jaded uh, Bronco follower, injuries come, and you will be very happy to have that. I mean, God forbid, you know, Jesse Bates misses any time at all, but then you have a guy come in that's not a complete unknown. This is what it feels like uh, to have depth on a roster, which I know the Falcons have been missing here, uh, talent devoided for a little bit. But as far as Richie Grant goes and getting supplanted by Helens, uh, I would be curious to see if the coaches are a little bit harder with a little bit shorter leash on him, as far as the tackling, it was more of an issue coming out of college. I thought he cleaned it up a bit last year, but in the open field, you know, if they're isolating, if that new defense puts it on him, I think uh, Helms brings a little bit more of a, a thump to him, better tackling discipline. So it'll be, it'll be fun to follow uh, no doubt. And with Helms plays like this, if any defensive coordinator worth their salt is going to figure out ways to implement them in the field. Um, my swanker asks, he says, what is the best fit for Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor? What, what do you think the team with the best fit is for him? I've got an answer, but I'm going to cheat. I'm going to make you think about it for a second. I think I would like to see him on the bills. 
Uh, I think a team like him in the backfield with Josh Allen, I can't think of them ever having a very explosive running back out of there and somebody that, you know, will punish teams. If uh, other teams, if the defenses are playing, you know, dime package or any sort of sub, Jonathan Taylor would be interest me with the bills. Also, it feels like the bills have been like this high talked about team uh, for a bit, but they just haven't been able to punch through adding to Jonathan Taylor, I think is a, at least showing that you're trying to punch through. Yeah, my my answer for this was the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> like I said, I'm going to cheat. Let's see. A running-based team with a young quarterback that could use a strong running back to help carry the load, and it would be the cheapest to try and get him because it wouldn't cost you anything else. The team that he fits best with is the Indianapolis Colts. And I, I think that's where he ends he, he plays in 2023. It's for the Colts. Um, you know, I've seen uh some people have said the Bears. The Bears have a have a bunch of draft picks, uh, and not necessarily a true a scary number one running back. Um, the Cardinals, but I think they're probably a year away from wanting to spend any draft picks on a on a running back like that. Um, but I think the Bills is a good shout for him, for Jonathan Taylor. You know. But the Colts, I think the Colts is, is probably the answer for me. And like I said, that's that's cheating. You know, they what don't want to pay the... him. They've got him on the fourth year of his rookie contract, which was a second round de- a second round pick. They want a first round pick for him, but they don't want to give him first round rookie pick money. Um, you know, so I you know, I don't know what he's asking for saying I'm not gonna come in and play unless I get X. You know, is that Christian McCaffrey money? Because that might be gone. Uh, the $15 million a year running back might be just about over, Nick. Yeah, and I have a team as well that kind of sticks out to me uh, for Jonathan Taylor as well. I know this isn't Falcons-related, but uh, Cowboys. I'm curious. I mean, that's been a team that has ridden some power backs for a bit. Uh, they have Tony Pollard. They have Deuce Vaughn. They don't really have a tote-the-rock, heavy workload kind of guy, and uh, we know that Jerry loves those kind of guys as well. So I think the Cowboys would be a really interesting fit uh, for a Jonathan Taylor if he became available. Jason Heller, good morning. He says, good morning, everyone. Looking forward to the season. I believe this team is past rebuilding now. They are built. Um, and and how I always put it in writing when I was talking about the evolution of this Falcon team under Fontenot and Smith was that the rebuild can, can, can begin in earnest in 2023. And I meant January of 2023. Once the free agent period started going, they can clear out, they've got, they can wipe the 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 bad contracts off the books and they can get to work is it built no no there's still some big concerns on this team quarterback could be one of them it could be done so you know if if it is then we look back in hindsight and say yeah quarterback's done i think the offensive i think the offense though except quarterback maybe that's still the question is built i think you're done with your 11 let's assume that desmond ritter is a average to above average quarterback in the NFL. Sure. I could maybe use a, another really good wide receiver, but other than that, I'm, I'm pretty good. I got depth at running back. I got, um, a, a really good wide receiver, really good tight end. I got offensive line is bought and paid for the, the offense is done. Now the defense still needs a little bit of work. You know, you've got mm-hmm. some, you've got some one-year deals out there, several of them. Um, and it's a little bit older, so you're going to have to start pouring more resources, more premium resources into the defense moving forward, Nick. 
And it's just always constant evaluation, right? Like the offense looks done on paper, but you are four games away from Caleb McGarry all of a sudden looking like the Caleb McGarry of prior to last season. And you're wondering, okay, well, what happens now with right tackle or uh, Matt Collins doesn't live up to it. So you're going to have some questions and constant tinkering. I mean, also, if you get to the point about the offense being done, maybe then you start to think long-term as well. It's not just the quarterback spot, but Jake Matthews, I mean, how much longer does he have? You can kind of do that Eagles thing where your offensive line looks good enough, but guess what? We really like that one right there. We're going to take a shot because we know that the offensive line dictates what we do as an organization, and we want to constantly be great there. I've heard it from other people before, and I'm not, I don't give me credit for it, but building offensive lines and trenches is like having a fire. You don't want to let it go out. You don't want to let it simmer. You don't let the fire burn out and then like, oh, toss some more logs on it. No, you want to continuously feed it. And uh, for the offensive line, that's maybe where the Falcons are going to be heading here in the next few years if if these guys continue to look this good. Yeah, you f- you figure um, Jake Matthews is 31. He's still playing well. His contract will keep him in Atlanta Falcon through 2024. And then there's two years of club options based on how he's playing because that's when his cap number starts reversing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2023 this year, he has a 55 million dead cap after the restructure. He ain't going anywhere. 2024, that goes down to um, a 19-4 cap hit against a 27 million dead cap. So it would actually cost you $8 million if Jake Matthews was not on the team. And then 2025, which isn't that far away, y'all. It's, you know, this season and next is, uh, it goes from 19-4 again down to 7.8. So that's when you start having flexibility with Jake Matthews. But right now, he's still a, a, a plus player in this league. Yeah. Um, so you're willing to extend guys like that to restructure when you have those giant cap guys on those giant dead cap numbers on guys that are 30, you start getting a little nervous, you know, right? Julio Jones, who doesn't make me nervous. Jasmine coming in. She says, good morning, Nick and Scott. Good morning. Hope you're enjoying a steamy day in the South in the Metro Atlanta area this morning. Uh, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. It's we're in the middle of August. It's, it's going to be hot for a little bit. So everybody stay safe out there. Um, one of the positions I think, Nick, that has probably got the most heated battles, ironically, but maybe not because they brought in a ton of bodies, but it's it's wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Mac Hollins and Drake London are safe. That's not think. Those are those are ins. After that, for me, it starts getting a little bit questionable. I mean, Kadero Hodge is a, is a core special teams player, but you know, and he's God, he's dirt cheap, but it also makes him replaceable. You know, when you're $1 million on non-guaranteed money, you're kind of looking over your shoulder a little bit, but he is dirt cheap and productive. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good combination, but he's also dinged up a little bit. Uh, Scotty Miller looks like a wild card type. Do they end up keeping him? And then they keep one more between JJ Arcega Whiteside, uh, Zay Malone, and um, Josh Ali and Penny Hart. You know, I think those are the guys that are competing for it. And I think it could be one of those guys. And it could come down to uh, Josh Ali, Penny Hart, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And you're hoping to sneak Zay Malone onto the practice squad, despite the fact that he's probably been your most productive offensive player in the preseason. Yeah, your offensive uh, weapons, especially wide receiver, look questionable. Uh it's kind of a hard decision because after, you know, the top two, three guys, it's uh, who, who knows, you know, me, Scott, I always talk about it on the other shows too. But when you're talking about wide receiver, three, four, five, especially four, five, six, what do they bring in on special teams? So, right. you know, Hodges out there, you know, making big tackles as a gunner or a key player there. 
he's going to make it. That special teams room, uh, guys, often forgotten about. But guess what? That coach can be pretty damn loud uh, when they're talking about the back end of the roster. I mean, this you might as well call the final preseason game, you know, this, give the special teams head coach special a chance teams to coach tryouts. Him. Yeah, I mean, that's the, what you're looking for there. Can you do Can you do enough on the offense that I can pick the special teams guys that I really love out there as well, so, or defense? So uh, Kaderil Hodge probably makes it. Uh, you paid Scotty Miller probably the safety there. After that, though, I mean, I think that uh, Slade Bolden's had some stuff, Jay, uh, Zay Malone. So it'll be curious to see uh, who picks out. Who are your final guys on the back end there? Oh, I might go. And I'm, I'm going to agree with Kevin Knight on this one that it, it might end up being Josh Ali could be the last one. He's He's got he's got five wide receivers, um, but he's got, good gracious, five tight ends. Hmm. So I might try and sneak in a six wide receiver uh, and take four tight ends, knowing it's Drake, Drake London, Mac Hollins, Carol Hodge, Scotty Miller, and Josh Ali. What does Zay Malone bring on special teams? Probably whatever you ask him to do, because he's fighting for a job out there. JJ Arcega Whiteside is a freaking unit. I mean, he's huge. Would be very um would be very interested in in seeing him on the field a lot, you know, even as an H back at times. You know, maybe you can use him, but I think they'll probably cut the younger guy and try and get him on the practice squad. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see him flexed at some point during the year. Yeah, so Still a lot of question marks there, and uh, yeah, Ali has stood out too. I see Archangels rooting for Ali, and I've seen some uh, Troy Anderson talk as well in the chat, which is interesting. Uh, you know, when Falcons drafted him, big thing was hard not to be obsessed uh, with the tools that he had, but can he get it processing-wise? It's going to be a big year for him. I thought he looked, I mean, you can see him out there uh, when he plays. It's pretty obvious how good of a mover he is, but um, when the games are real, uh, we'll find a lot about his processing and his ability to get off blocks and fit into that run defense because that's that's a mental spot for linebackers. Yeah, and like Desmond Ritter, they've certainly made the moves to back Troy Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know, they they didn't they haven't re-signed a tackling machine out there like Rashawn Evans, like Foya Luakon, uh, you know, a veteran out there like that. Uh, and, and Jerome asked, do you think we signed a veteran OL uh, linebacker and wide receiver after cuts? I hope we do. OL, yes. Yes. I think like everybody else, the Atlanta Falcons will be looking for OL because they lost. You carry eight on game day. Your 48-man roster, you're allowed to keep 48 active of your 53. You carry eight on game day. They've lost two of those eight. Uh, that's a little scary. Um, that said, I have been pretty impressed uh, with some of the guys that have been out there. Ryan Newsel, Kyle Hinton, Jalen Mayfield could be one of those guys, uh, one of those eight now. Uh, Vrabel's been okay. Justin Schaefer has been okay at times. Um, but who's your swing guard? I mean, your your tackle out there. Who is it? Is it Mayfield? Probably, probably. probably. Mayfield, you can plug him in to be a body at four of the five positions and that might keep him on the field and he's looked agile he's looked much more mobile than Mm -hmm. i saw in his rookie season nick Uh, another option i have no idea if this would come out to play but i mean bergeron mostly played tackle coming out dude would you rather keep the guys out there if your best five is protecting mayfield and giving bergeron a chance at right tackle uh that's an option as well now i believe he played right tackle his sophomore year but then uh, left tackle the next two. So well, he only he only played fourteen games in his career. Bergeron, 
No, oh, you're talking to me. Okay, I was Mayfield, talking to Ber- Mayfield. Okay, sorry, yeah. it was Mayfield. You're on to Bergeron. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. No, and so Bergeron is one that I think could, if you're trying to get the best five out there, maybe he flexes out. It's always the debate of, you know, the continuity and the chemistry with one side versus getting the best five. But you, I think I trust what the Falcons have done the offensive line wise to get the, the right five out there. Yeah, and we were talking about, you know, the long-term plan for Matthews. That might be it. It might mm-hmm. be Bergeron. Mm-hmm. You know, typically you don't have a guy start inside and then slide him outside. But in this case, I, I think it was more, yeah, we would start Bergeron at tackle if we needed him, if we needed a tackle. We're sliding him inside now. So it's yeah. like, yes, he's a tackle that we are sliding inside. You don't take a guard and slide them outside. It doesn't work like that. It's a different skill set. You can take a tackle and move him inside. He is a tackle. Mm-hmm. that you can move inside and play guard. You can't take a guy who's got the shorter arms, the less reach, the less mobility, the less flexibility, and is a good guard and move him outside. It doesn't work that way. Um, it does work that way, tackle, though. They're moving inside. Yeah, it works that way all the time in college football where you have getting the best athletes out there and then you're sorry, like let's say you have a, red, a senior at left tackle, but a sophomore that you love at left guard. Well, that guy graduates. Foop on the outside. I mean, Paris Johnson happens all the time in college. But like I'm saying, though, yeah. they're there. That is you're blocked. You're not yes. moved to guard because that's your best position. You're blocked by somebody better than you. And I'm pointing that out for the Falcons. That's yeah. you're in that situation with the offensive line right now, which is you don't. It's unfathomable, unfathomable in the NFL level. But you're blocked because of the talent and the seniority at tackle. But you have a guy that you're getting you like so much that he's getting the reps there that could eventually become that one. I mean, it's a really rare situation that you only see with a lot of power programs out there in the uh, college football. So it's a good spot. The depth is concerning though. Uh, but I think that you'd figure they'd find a way to figure it out. Here's a good question from Keith. Is there a player that could miss a 53 that the average fan would be surprised that they're on the street? Um, the average NFL fan? No, because nobody knows anybody about from the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> uh, the average Nick looks like he's, he's frozen up a little bit. So I will, um, I will, uh, I'll take this one here. I mentioned Kaderil Hodge, not maybe not being safe. And I got a lot of pushback on that, but th- th- to me, it's not necessarily about Hodge one again, when you can, when you can make a cut and not have it count against your, your salary cap and dead cap, you're vulnerable. And he's got a zero dead cap number. He's banged up a little bit and you know, he's not, he didn't have the type of season that Russell Gage did where Russell Gage ended up getting an eight figure contract from Tampa Bay. He was okay. Last year, he was okay. He's a better three, four, not a number two. Um, so when you've got Scotty Miller and Josh Ali and Penny Hart and JJ Arcega Whiteside and Zay Malone and Mac Hollins, all these guys bringing, breathing down your neck, you're vulnerable. I, I, I think, I believe that, um, do I think they'll cut that he would be cut? No, I don't, unless it is some sort of injury designation. After that, I just don't think the Falcons have enough named players that you would you could move somebody like that and say, you know, oh yeah, that, that's that's really surprising. They cut Cornell Armstrong. You know, who? Um, you know, Nate Landeman. They they decided to keep Tay Davis and stay to late Nate Landeman. Uh what? Who? Um you know, Bud Dupree, you know, we haven't seen a ton of him. He's brought in to be, a, a you know, a starter with Lorenzo Carter. You know, th- those guys shaping forth. The one that I could possibly think of, and I don't think anybody would have been surprised, but he started 27 games, was was Ade Ogundeshi. Um, He was one that I had on the bubble 
coming into coming into uh, the 53 here. Um, but the injury, unfortunately, made a decision for them, um, which which is unfortunate. Um, let me go go down through the chat just a little bit here um, and see see what we're talking about here. Brennan says, and welcome back, Brennan. It's good to see you. He says, move Pitts to wide receiver along London and make Jonu Smith your long-term tight end. Um, I, I don't think you have to move Kyle Pitts at all. <laughs> he's uh, He's already being moved. Um, he plays more than half of his snaps in the slot and out wide. So he's, uh, and he had that question. Drake London got that question yesterday. It's actually on my YouTube channel. Uh, and it's on the Facebook channel. So basically any, if you're watching me on here, you can scroll and find it where it says Drake London backs Kyle Pitts. Um, Josh Kendall, no relation, different spelling. Josh Kendall asked him, I've known Josh for a long time. Um, asked Drake says, is he a wide receiver or a tight end? And Drake dead, I looked him dead in the eye and said, you know, what do you think he is? <laughs> and Josh was like, well, he looks like a wide receiver to me. And, and Drake was basically, he can be whatever he wants to be. So when it comes time for his second contract, which isn't that far away, we're in year three of Kyle Pitts. He's going to get paid like a playmaker, uh, one of the top playmakers if, if he follows the path we think he can nick and i'll tell you what he is it might get a little bit testy for a little bit if the falcons place the franchise tag on him as a tight end uh instead of a wide receiver because the market will pay him like a wide receiver so that right. tight end control dangerous yeah the spot let me top salaries for um if i did average salaries and change it to tight end on spot rack uh and it's the average of the top five, 17, 15, 14, 14. So we'll call that $15 million on average for, for the top tight end. So if you had a franchise tag as a tight end, it would be worth $15 million. If you had a franchise tag as a wide receiver, uh, 30, 28, 26, 25, 24. So we're going to call that 28. So it's a difference between 15 million and $28 million. It's almost double. Mm -hmm. And, I don't think the Falcons would let it come to that. I, I really don't. Arthur Blank, if he does anything, he overpays. <laughs> he overpays. So mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think that will end up being being a problem, Nick. Yeah, the uh, the Jimmy Graham situation, right? Where I went. To, I think it even went to court. So will be f interesting to follow. Uh, let me see here. Well, let's get through some of the. Um, let me get through these through some of these. Uh, comments on here and uh we're, we're gonna get out of here before too long sean edwards comes in he says donating plasma tomorrow needed to buy a london jersey someone said something to me about that they're uh, doing a jersey giveaway and i was like i was like what are they like 150 bucks and i was like this one was 280 dollars like good gracious but as i've said before you know who is to blame for these outrageous prices we are we are mm. the consumer as long as they keep they, they'll they'll keep as long as they can keep selling it, they will. So you got you to have to to stop up, uh, stop doing those type of things if you possibly can. Um, <laughs> Brennan has a good question here. He says, could Taylor Luan come back to Arthur Smith in case of an emergency injury or time of Matthews? No, I don't think so. I, I think that that ship has sailed, Nick. You don't really see that from offensive linemen because the 
ability to keep on that type of body mass is unsustainable throughout a life. I mean, you're talking like, you know, whole carton egg meals multiple times a day. I mean, you see, that's a reason that you see a lot of offensive linemen once they, uh, especially tackles, uh, once they retire, they look like completely uh, different people losing, you know, a hundred pounds because they're just not keeping up that uh, caloric intake. So I think Luan's probably uh, not football body type anymore. Um, Cam asks, welcome in Cam. He says, uh, are the starters playing against the Steelers? I would say on the whole, no. Um, at best, one series. But I would say on the whole, you may see somebody get a spot action, maybe a rotation on the defensive line. Um, but on the whole, I would say no. I would not expect to see the starters going against the Steelers. But I've missed this one more than most. I expected to see the steel, them against the Dolphins, and they didn't because of the joint practices. Uh, I was hoping to see Ritter a little bit more than one series, even though that was a hey, we wanted to play him, you know, fifteen to twenty snaps. Yeah, you, you got those on the first series. Yeah. Um, that's uh, a lot different. Um, Keith asked, "Do you think someone will pick up Jason Peters?" Well, he's been around a long time, hadn't he? At that point, it becomes, as, as Nick was saying, you know, how much do these guys want to do? You know, do they they still want to be in there? You know, I don't know. Yeah, Peters has been um, rumored to be back in. Uh, so he's courting teams. We'll see if anything comes of it, though. Um, question here, is this the Tyler Algier game? I, I, I wouldn't be running Tyler Algier in this game. Um I would have uh, my, my running backs would, I would use this for Carlos Washington and, and Godwin um, Iguabuque again. Um, and that goes back down to the discussion on camp battles. Unfortunately, we haven't seen much of, of Washington. So hopefully he'll get 10 to 15 carries. We've seen a lot of Godwin Iguabuque and he's looked great. Uh, if he, he will be mm-hmm. in the Falcons uniform, unless someone claims him, I don't think he makes the 53 because you don't keep four running backs. Uh, and you've got, You've got CP. Yeah. Um, uh, without a doubt. I'm freezing up on me a little bit. Okay. You've got Bijan and you've got, um, who's out of the guy? Algier. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think you will see, um, you'll see a lot of Iguibuque and, and Washington running back this uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Albert Knoppers comes in and says, good morning, y'all. Uh, good morning, Albert. Appreciate you being here. And I guess the one thing um, I wanted to get into before we get out of here was uh, Maurice Jones-Drew ranked the 32 running backs, basically starting running backs for uh, all NFL teams. And I was pretty surprised with where he had Bajan Robinson, which Nick, not if you can hear me, if you're if you're right there on the same time. I can hear you, but you're freezing up on me. Yeah, yeah if you, uh, and I can hear you too. If, um, okay. if you were to select Bajan Robinson for your team, because that's how you do rankings. It's not, fantasy rankings where I'm taking into account split carries and whatnot. I'm, I'm talking pure talent. I'm ranking these running backs. Where would you have Bijan Robinson? You know, give me a five, you know, like, you know, six through 10, one to five, 11 through 15, 12 to 17. Give me a, a number in there where you would have Bijan Robinson as a talent at running back in this league right now, knowing he hasn't played it down. Probably about, Five to seven, uh, I would say. Uh, you have question marks with uh, some guys ahead of him right now because there's so many holdouts, right? But uh, probably in that five to seven, I mean, I would not be shocked at all if he's number one. We look back at the end of the year, that's the level of talent. But just playing it conservative, giving a little bit of credit to people who have played snaps in the league, uh, probably have him in that five to seven range. Yeah, so it was a little surprise to me. That's, that's kind of, I was expecting him to see six to 10. 
you know, in there. And I'm like, that's fine as I'm going down through and looking at them. Um, and I keep going and going and going. And finally I get to number 21. So Bajon Robinson is the 21st ranked running back in the NFL, according to Maurice Jones drew. There's a ton of hype around Atlanta's rookie, and I get it. He's a three-down talent, but it's possible Tyler Algier, who just eclipsed 1,000 yards as a rookie, sees a healthy amount of carries. And gadget guy Cordero Patterson could be in the mix for regular backfield opportunities. I might be completely wrong about this, and Bijan could have a top-10 finish on this list come January, but I'll cross that bridge when we come to it. That's weak. That's that's just weak. Um, if, it was a, if, if it was a fantasy draft, and you mm-hmm. say... Listen, I'm not as high on his level of production because he may have to split carries with all these other weapons. And oh, by the way, I think the Falcons are going to suck because they've got no offensive weapons. I love the double standards in here. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't get him the ball anyway because Desmond Ritter's awful and we're going to rank him 30th in the NFL. However, Bijan Robinson, though he's an uber talent, we're not going to rank very high because of all these other weapons. <sighs> what? No. So having him 21 while acknowledging that he is uber talented, it goes against your ranking. It's not, it's not a fantasy ranking. If you wanted to say, listen, I think his production is going to be cut in half because I think he's going to have to split carries with these other guys. Okay. I I see that, but it's not, it's not, it wasn't listed as a fantasy ranking. It was listed as a, these are my ranking of running backs. These are the best running backs in the NFL. Man, having Bijan Robinson, Bijan Robinson down at 21. I think you can just say, listen, until I see it done for real, I I, I want to see it proven fine. And I guess he sort of says that. But let's talk to general managers and let them draft running backs. Contracts be damned. It's this isn't a vacuum. And you let me know how long it takes before you hear Bijan Robinson's name called. Five, yeah. maybe at the latest. It has to be fantasy, right? Just the way he frames doesn't the say, argument. I read it twice. The beginning doesn't say yeah. a thing about fantasy numbers. Not yeah. a thing. That's that's. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it's something where it's an unspoken rule for somebody who's been in the league that rookies are nothing uh, until they do something in the league. You know, maybe it's a little bit of you know. I know what it's like. This guy's getting a lot of hype, but he hasn't done seen what it's like yet. Kind of thing. I I don't know. Uh, I've never really taken Reese Jones-Drew's rankings too seriously, but. Uh, yeah, 28th, 24th, whatever it is, too low. Uh, the room's going to be talented, but you, we keep talking about Mac Collins is what, the fifth, sixth option on there. It's because you have those options that you're going to be able to get the ball to. It doesn't have to be your top three receivers getting the thir- three most touches and targets. That's not how it's going to be in Atlanta with uh, Arthur Smith. All right. How would you feel right now if you're drafting fantasy? Would you take Javante Williams or Bajan Robinson? Bajan. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, Brees Hall or Bajan Robinson? Bajan. Ramonde Stevenson. This is number 15. Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson. Travis Etienne at 16. Bijan. Kenneth Walker, Seattle Seahawks at 17, who did have 1,200 yards from scrimmage. That's not bad. No, but it's Bijan. DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia Eagles, um, who had just over 900 yards from scrimmage last year. Joe Mixon, uh, 3.9 yards per carry. Um, Alexander Madison. With 283 rushing yards and 91 reception yards last year, is ranked ahead of Bajan Robinson. That's just silly. Yeah, 
That doesn't make any sense. It, it's Bajan. And probably if you listed the top guys, we'd find a spot pretty early for him. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, coming in, coming in on this, you know, the top guys are, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Okay. Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick Chubb. Yeah, I get that. Austin Eckler, you know, 107 receptions. Yeah, okay. Josh Jacobs. And he acknowledges that, you know, he might not play. He's got to come in and play. All right fine you know he's he's really good i mean hell he had 2000 yards for scrimmage last year at five i get a saquon barkley i'm like mm, that's where i start wondering right now a healthy you know a, a fresh Bijan robinson against saquon barkley an apples and apples same type of offense i th- think i'd go probably with Bijan robinson right now Saquon coming off the injury, it's hard for me to separate the prospects still on that one because Saquon was unbelievable. So it was Bijan, but uh, I think it's probably a big yeah, it's, uh, it's close, close conversation there for those. Guys. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, we can we can go we can go Saquon there. I could live with that. And then Alvin Kamara, um, four yards per carry, makes a lot of hay as a receiver with 57 catches last year, um, almost 1,300 yards from scrimmage with four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, and then we get into fantasy numbers thing. I think that I think yeah. Dijon should have more more touchdowns than that. Okay, I'm come on. Okay, fine. Jonathan Taylor, yeah, Jonathan Taylor at eight. We're getting there. Okay, I mean, there's some good running backs out there. Jonathan Taylor was a rushing champion, still yeah. really young. Okay, I'm okay with all that. I can yeah, make those in, arguments. We're in 21? the neighborhood now, though. No, come on, man. Yeah, and that Madison. What are you serious? I like him, uh, but that's. Not Cordell Patterson not will have more yards yeah. from scrimmage than that guy by week seven. Ooh, that's an interesting that's an interesting bet because Madison is going to get the lion's share there now. They like him a good bit. He'll but, have, uh, let me reframe. <laughs> He's coming in. Or let me uh, let me let me come back to that. He had two hundred eighty three. He had three hundred and sixty yards from scrimmage last year. Cordell Patterson will have more than three hundred and sixty yards from scrimmage by week. Eight, yes, halfway through the season. Yeah, yeah, I do like Madison, uh, but to put him over Bijan is unfathomable. I mean, you have as much question about him really as Bijan, given the sample sample size of each of those running backs in the competition. So, uh, I think that uh, Bijan, you, we talked about, you mentioned about, was it Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor? We're in the neighborhood now. This is yeah. the range. This is why I really like tiers rather than ordinal lists. And that's why I asked you. So give me a, give me a five, you know, six to 10. I'm I'm okay with that. Yes. I, I, that's fine with me. I, I, I think that's fine for someone that hasn't, hasn't played even hell, even 11 to 15. If you wanted to start talking, uh, you know, who do we get at 11? You know, JK Dobbins. Oh no. And we're, 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 we're going Bajan over, over, over that one. You know, Najee Harris is, he's really good. He's at 10. All right. Damian Pierce, Houston, he's got a second year to prove it. I might have him higher than he is. Javante Williams coming off that awful knee injury. No, I'm I'm going I'm going Bijan over Javante Williams yeah. right now. God, um, I would just kill because to have, of the injury. Yeah, I would kill to have Bijan in Denver. I can't imagine what that would look like. And that's why I said, how long would yeah. it take? How long would it take to be picked? You know, throw you know just for one season. So to take years of control out of the out of the factor. Take. Um, Salary out of the factor, and Bijan Robinson is not lasting very long. We start going running backs. Uh, Chris says, Would you say Robinson has a better line as a starting rookie than Barkley had his rookie season? I'm gonna go no on that one. Um, Saquon Barkley broke 2,000 yards from scrimmage as a rookie. Uh, I don't think I don't expect Bijan Robinson to have 380 touches. Um, 
1,307 yards was actually uh, the second most he's ever had, Saquon, as was uh, 11 touchdowns rushing was the most he's ever had. 727 yards receiving was by far the most he's ever had. And four touchdowns is double the reception touchdowns that he's ever had. So no, Saquon's Barkley's best year by far was as a rookie. No, I, I don't think he has a better a better uh, line than that one. It's funny, Scott, because I read it differently. Um, does which one had the better offensive line as a rookie? The answer is uh, uh, our guy uh, Bijan, who'd he'll have a better offensive. Maybe it line. was. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of line score. Yeah, um, yep. baseball brain. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, ba- baseball brain for me. I'm looking at box scores. Yeah, so I think Bijan has a better, much better offensive line uh, than Saquon had coming. Yeah, in I agree. Rookie. I mean, the Falcons' offensive line is. Top really three. good, period. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, yes and no, depending on the interpretation of that question. <laughs> on that note, um, we're gonna have to get out of here, y'all. We are um right at an hour. Appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, we will be back on Friday on on so make sure you're following us on on um all of the channels if you're watching, hit like or subscribe because we'll be back on Friday morning. And we will be talking. It's not a Falcons show, but we will be talking Falcons coming off of their preseason game against the Steelers. We'll talk some Colts, too. Um, Colts are playing the Bears, I believe. I think that's who they have joint practices with right now. So, Is it not the Eagles? Because there was the it's fight the Eagles. Yesterday. Yeah, it is with the yeah. Eagles. They played the Bears last week because I remember yeah, yeah. seeing that. It, it's so much going on in the brain. Um, but we'll, we'll be talking some Falcons, so I will stream it to the Falcons channel this week. I don't always do that on Fridays because we're not always talking about Falcons. So make sure you come join us. We'll be there at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. And if you want to talk some Broncos with us tomorrow, Nick and I will be on Broncos for breakfast at 9.30 Eastern over on Mile High Huddle, and you can, you can find those by following us. So appreciate everybody joining us today. A lot of love coming in after the fact, uh, saying enjoyed the show. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Uh, one last thing real quick, but since I always forget to do this, um, go in and I'm going to drop the, the, uh, find Apple, the Falcons podcast on, uh, on Apple pods and, and give us a ranking, subscribe to it. I'm going to drop the, drop the link into the chat and, uh, and say, hello, give us a, give us a wave, give us a ranking and a, and a, and a review and, and subscribe to it. That helps us out a lot. There are a lot of people. It's really started to ramp up as far as after the fact listeners. So appreciate you being with us today. Uh, If you want to come join us, me and Nick, we'll see you tomorrow. Otherwise, come check us out Friday. We'll talk some more Falcons football. Peace.